Thank you for joining today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast, and thank you for having a desire to be your best at work and helping your organization achieve success. This podcast focuses on tactical actions to improve workplace culture, and these tactics align to our nine principles for organizational excellence. On today's show, I welcome Basil Kulaba, co-founder and executive director of Inertia, and our Studer Education Digital Product and Systems Analyst. Welcome, Basil. Thank you. Basil began with us as an intern two years ago, and we were lucky to have him join our team full-time after his graduation. Um, his entrepreneurial mind and computer science background contribute to our team in many ways. Basil credits his early disdain for math as the catalyst that urged him to develop a not-for-profit organization that provides fun, hands-on group projects to increase STEM skills and the success of students in Escambia County, Florida. I started my career as a high school mathematics teacher. Basil and I saw a common theme and had a common goal to make math meaningful to young people and give them confidence that they could do math. So today's focus is on hearing Basil's story about how his passion blended with his entrepreneurial skills and how that led him to start a successful local nonprofit organization. So Basil, again, thank you for joining our show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be a part of it. Absolutely. So let's start. Um, so I always start when we have a guest on our show with, with you and our guest telling a little bit about yourself and your background and you know how some of your struggles led to you um, being the co-founder of Inertia. Sure. So I was born in Kenya, uh, but I came to the United States very early in life, and I grew up here with my three older siblings. And while I was coming up, you know, in school, I, I took my math classes, but I just didn't do very well in them. And I struggled in my math classes and my older siblings being very good at math tried to help me, they tried to tutor me, and I just couldn't get it. Uh, my parents tried to help me, couldn't get it. I went to help classes, I went to t tutoring, private tutoring, and my grades kind of improved, but I was still kind of in that C range. If I didn't study just a little bit on one test, I might get a D or maybe even fail that test. Mm, wow. um, until my sixth grade year, when I had this teacher who was just super engaging and the type of teacher that dressed up to teach history classes. And I can still remember a lot of the classes that he taught us because of the way he approached instruction. And that was in making it a very interactive experience for the students. So that sixth grade year, my grades dramatically improved from being like a D, C student to being a B student, also getting A's on my math and science test. And that was the year that I really knew that if I put my mind to something and if I did what I needed to do, you know, maybe I just need to make my learning experience a little bit more interactive. I could, I could excel at this math class. And then fast forward up to ninth grade, that was the year I knew I really wanted to be a scientist. Uh, I had another teacher who was just the same way. Uh, we were learning, we were, you're starting to get a little bit into deeper science. So instead of just learning like the, the generic parts of science, you know, like the cell, you started to get a little bit deeper in it. And he knew the way to really engage students and make your imagination come to life when he was teaching. And through that, that was the year I knew, I was like, I definitely want to be a scientist one day because it's a whole new world, yeah. the way he presented it to me. And that's when I decided to go to college, even though it was something that I struggled with and it was something difficult, those experiences I had with those teachers taught me that, you know, science is something that's fun. And if I wanted to do it, all I had to do was put my mind to it, put in the extra hours. I had to study a little bit more than my, you know, my, con my counterparts in class. Yeah. But if that's what I wanted to do, it was possible. Yeah, that's a great story. You know, it made me think about when I was teaching math, um, you know, I had, I have two students um, who are now math teachers, Basil. 
and there were two students who initially struggled in class so they came to class and they wanted to do good work um, but they just didn't feel like they had the skill set or just didn't weren't able to do the things that they wanted to do right but I knew that they, you know, I just knew there was something in them where they wanted to do better. And so I established um, some nice relationships, mentor type of relationships with them and really helped them move from that strug- from being a struggler of math to somebody who really liked math. And um, both of them, I've in my later years, you know, have connected back with me to say, "Guess what? I'm a math teacher." Really? Yeah. And so it's incredible. Just, it is. It's and it's one. Of, I mean, I'll never forget the the first those messages or just the pride that I felt. And I just it, your story makes me just really think about it. You people have skills and they have the right mindset, but. It's hard to move to that different place if you don't have somebody who gives you that sense of encouragement and mentors you a little bit. Is that is that right. what you, you found? Right, and I can connect with that story because I, I would often joke with people that I was in class with that if you were to tell some of my teachers that I was in Calculus two in college, they'd probably yeah. have a heart attack and they yeah. wouldn't believe it. Uh, but it, it definitely matters just having somebody that believes in you and tells you that you can do it and kind of instructs you and guides you that way, like a mentor or a friend that really supports you along that learning experience. It's such a powerful thing that teachers can do for students. It is, and so I can see, you know, when we talk a little bit about inertia, I can, you know, I can see why you're driven a little bit to do that, you know, and just it's connecting with the story, my story to your story, really makes a lot of sense in regard to where you're driven there. So, um, so let's talk about that. You know, what are your major objectives for inertia? You know, tell me a little bit about inertia, if you would. Tell the audience a little bit about inertia and then what your major objectives are and what impact you're trying to have in the community. <clears throat> sure. So inertia is an after-school program, and we focus on after-school because of a few reasons. Uh, one, we want to give the students an opportunity to have a place where they can reinforce their classroom learning. And by that, we mean we don't teach anything different than what the teachers are teaching in the classroom. Mm -hmm. We work hand in hand with the administration, and the administration tells us, hey, this is what we're learning on Thursday, and on Thursday afternoon after school, we're gonna teach that same exact principle, the same exact lesson, but in a hands-on project-based learning experience. So that's one of the things that we wanna do is, number one, you know, reinforce classroom learning. And then also it's after school because we wanna help combat juvenile uh, delinquency and juvenile crime rates. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, you know, kids get caught into things in between that 2.30 to 5 time range whenever they get out of school and their parents aren't home and yeah. they're kind of just out running wild. Nobody really knows what's going on. No one's watching them. But when we give them a place to be after school and now they also have people who are watching them, they have people who care about them, and they also create connections with our volunteer mentors and those people become a support network for them and we keep them off of, you know, the streets and possibly getting into yeah. some behaviors that are high risk. Yeah, and doing things they probably really would prefer doing. I right. Mean, where they're being cared about and connected to people. Exactly. So do you have a story, I mean, your story or, or one of your mentor stories that you could tell, you know, a real story about the impact that you've made with a young person? Yeah, so I, I remember uh, there was a time where it was getting really tough running the organization. I was running this in school and I was still a full-time student, I was working part-time, and then I was also running this. So it, it was a really tough time, and we were growing incredibly mm -hmm. fast. And you can get a little bit demoralized mm -hmm. during things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I remember going to a family night, and that family night we had one of the students come up to me, and she gave me a note and said, hey, like, whenever I started inertia, I hated this. I did not want to do it. She was one of the kids that their parents made them do it. Yeah. You can very obviously <laughs> tell at the beginning that 
She does not want to be here, but mom and dad are making me be here, so I'm just gonna like get through yeah. it. But at the end, she gave, came up to me, gave the biggest hug in the world, and said, Mr. Bezos, I hated science when I started this, but now I love it. And she told me she wanted to be a nurse one day. Oh, gosh. And that's just one yeah. story out of many that happens out of our programs. And it, it really proves the connection that our company has with the community and also the difference that we're making. Yeah, that's, that's, um, and you know, I always think about too, it's, it's, I mean, it's it's one person multiplied by two people to three people to where you're just building that multiplier right. effective impact that you can make, and uh, and kids really you know really really need that extra attention and that connection with people. Is Correct. that I mean, exactly. it's, it's about the subject area and it's about learning, um, but it's learning just as you you experienced in your life. You know, it's learning with that connection. Right, and I found, um, and we don't have like any data to support this, but I also feel that because of the relationship that our mentors create with the students, it makes the learning environment so much deeper for them. And they might be coming not even necessarily for the instructional yeah. uh, aspect of the learning, but to reconnect with that mentor. But yeah. because they're there, they're also learning. Yeah. yeah. So I also think that's a, that's a huge Yeah, It doesn't really matter why. I mean, it, that's right. It, even if it's to connect with a person, we can build the learning after that connection. Right. And that, you know, that's highly significant. So really nice work with what what you have done and what uh, what your team have have done at um, has done at Inertia. So uh, you know when you think about um, your school partners, you know what does that look like? What types of programs do you do that serve students? How do you work with a school? You know, tell a little bit about how, how so does it work. We'll always start off by getting just uh, an idea of where the school is struggling. The schools that we deal with are mostly Title I or low-performing schools, so they'll be ranked D or F on the, by the state. And we also work in Title Ten schools, which is the rate of homelessness. So there's usually a lot going on in the school and a lot of struggles and hurdles that they're dealing with, but we're really focusing on helping where we can, and that's where we believe we can help with academic outcomes. So we'll figure out where that school is struggling, whether it's in their math classes or science classes and the specific standards that they're having issues with. At one point it's a common core standards, but yeah. whatever standards that the state is, is having at that point. And as we work with them, we'll pick our curriculum that we've created that is based around the certain standards that they really want some help on. So perhaps as a chemistry standard, our programs will focus on those chemistry standards. So we'll teach them what chemistry is, we'll teach them what acid is, a base, a reaction. Uh, we'll teach them what a chemical is, but we'll take them outside and we'll use Diet Coke and Mentos. Yeah. We'll use baking soda and vinegar. And by the end of the day, all the kids are, you know, we've split one team in team acid, one team <laughs> in the team base, and now they remember it. So yeah. when they get on their standardized test at the end of the year, they're going to call back to that lesson yeah. where it was team acid and what was the other team? Oh, yeah. okay. and what Those did we do basic. and what happened? And then exactly. they can relate that. And when That's... I put the Diet Coke and the Mentos together, that was a reaction. Yeah. So they have an experience to call back on. So your team, so your, your team develops the the content and the curriculum right. for that for the kids that's so nice so do, are you looking to expand you know basil i mean i know you're kind of localized now i mean are you looking at staying pretty localized and expanding or are you looking at really kind of taking this to a, a different place yeah we would love to expand it's it's a program that is really needed by the community mm -hmm. uh, we started off as just like a one-week robotics program and it grew from there from like 15 students to over 700 and being the largest after-school program in the county. So the need is there and we definitely want to help fulfill that need, but we also want to grow intentionally. Mm -hmm. So making sure as we grow, we, we don't compromise the quality of our programs for the quantity of our programs. Um, and there are people who are interested in seeing us grow and expand beyond Escambia County and we'd definitely be happy to partner with them to make that happen. That's good. So I just, uh, you know, ask that question for our listeners. There could be somebody out there who really has an interest in the work that you're doing. And, and for the most part, your team 
you work with college kids, right? Is that right? Correct. That really come in and, and help work with the kids and mentor the kids. Is right. That right. So we work mostly with college kids, but okay. we've also begin, begun working with like corporate partners and people who are maybe retired teachers or, you know, others who are just interested in giving back to education and giving back to the next generation. That's great. That's nice. So um, let's just start with uh, looking a little bit at thinking from the business model. You know, as you were building Inertia and you're putting a business model in place to build the nonprofit, you know, what, what were some obstacles that you faced and what did you learn from those? Yeah, um, I have to say for me personally, the biggest obstacle I've found is usually myself and getting over the hurdles or the obstacles that I'm putting in my own mind. So there can be different issues that come up. Uh, for me, one was fundraising. Uh, that's a difficult thing to do, and it's not very comfortable asking people for money, uh, especially when you've just met them. And then you're asking them, hey, can you donate $50? Can you donate $100 or even $5? But really, I had to sit back and look and analyze why was it uncomfortable. And it was uncomfortable because I thought it was uncomfortable. But the truth was I had a mission and I had a company that needed me to be the executive director and to ask those questions. So I needed to take myself out of the way mm -hmm. and do what the company needed. So I found most of the time that that's where the obstacles have come in is me personally, whether it's me supporting my team, whether it's me doing what I need to do as an executive director. It's really just analyzing myself and seeing what I need to do to help create a solution to the issue. Yeah, uh, such, I think we get all, as I look back over time and look at changes that I've made, leadership positions that I've taken and changes that I've made, I think that's so that's so right, Basil. We usually get in our own way. Right. I mean, if we look back, it, we could have done, gone so, so, uh, so far down a road if we wouldn't have gotten. I, can, I know I speak for myself. There are certain times I've ventured off a path, you know, and had to pull myself back on it because I got in my own way. So, so, um, you know, just at, as as somebody early in your career, you know, just learning that lesson and continuing to apply that. And it will serve you well, very well, as you move forward. So, what advice would you would you have for others who are passionate about solving a problem in the community? You've taken what you've seen as a passionate, you're passionate about it, your drive. You know, what advice do you give if somebody has a passion and they want to go out and and charge forward with that passion? Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up playing sports, so a lot of what I uh, I learned about drive and doing something came from my coaches. And Nike, of course, just do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a great tagline, not for only for a company, but also for life, is if you have an idea, just do it. Uh, whenever I was also thinking about starting Inertia, I met with a mentor, and he basically told me the same thing. It was just get out there and do it. If it works, great. If it doesn't, find something else and do that. Yeah. Uh, that's the biggest advice I would give to anybody, is if you have an idea, is put pen to paper, draw it out. Get it in front of a couple people and get out there and do it. See what change you can possibly make in the world. And I, I, there's a Quint quote that I absolutely love where he talks about if you, if you know a solution to pain and you have the solution to it, you have an obligation to do something about it with a sense of urgency. And I think that's such a great uh, application, especially in nonprofit work, mm -hmm. is that you should do that work and you should do it with a great sense of urgency as well. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, tremendously helpful advice and um, you know I think sometimes when I'm working with partners 
I find myself, we'll talk something, people will talk it to death and talk it to death and talk it to death. And I'm fine. I'm, I find myself saying, just do something. Right. Just start. <laughs> just move forward. Stop talking. Yeah. And, you know, because you can't get it perfect before you do it. You can, you know, you just have to get out and understand what it's going to mean. Right. And then how you adapt and adjust to exactly. that. Exactly. So Scoring five points out of ten is better than zero out of ten. You got that right. Mm. And you'll, if you don't move, you won't, you won't go forward. So let's close today with, I'd like to ask you this question. You know, when you think about your experiences and you think about it in line with entrepreneurship, you know, what qualities or skills and or skills do you think successful entrepreneurs, you know, should have? Yeah, oh, that's a great question. I definitely think self-awareness is a huge part of it, is knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not good at. And I would also say with that comes learning the ability to recruit and retain people that are good at what you're not good at. Mm -hmm. uh, so me personally, I know that marketing is not my strong suit. So I try to find people who are great at marketing and figuring out a way that I can learn from them. So you also have to be open and l open to listening and opening to see what you can do to contribute to help make your organization better. But that all starts with self-awareness mm -hmm. um, and knowing what do I need to do every single day to make my, my organization to get to that next level. Yeah. You know, it's so it's it's my theme. Self-awareness has to be the theme of the week. And there's some message to that, Basil, because I've been at a partner's uh, for three days this week. And the barrier that's getting in the way for some people to move forward is their lack of self-awareness. You know, what they're, and it's really looking at as a leader, it's, it's when we're talking about barriers to change, for example, they're transferring that to other people's barriers right. versus looking at, the, you know, who they are and right. really applying it and just really holding up that mirror and looking in it and really becoming self-aware. So, you know, I, uh, it's interesting that you just mentioned that today because yeah. I've just, I've had a deep reflection on how do I help people move to a place where they can be more mm. self-aware and not transfer that to <laughs> thinking other people right. need to be more aware. And I also think that that speaks to the value of having mentors. And that's mm -hmm. definitely been a huge part of my entrepreneurship journey. You know, I can't go without saying that when it's, when, to what skills you need, but also what you need as an entrepreneur is mentors or a coach who can help you realize that you're not being self-aware, help you realize what your own blind spots are. Yeah. And that's such a huge part of, of being a leader in general. Yeah, it really is. And I think we, uh, we cannot be out there alone. We have to have other people to guide and help us and to connect to and just so appreciative of you and you being part of our team and being a valuable member as somebody who can help us become more self-aware of what we do each and every day I enjoy having you here so much so thank you for being with us today appreciate the time that you spent here thank you for having me good so as you go all go out this week you know I think two things think about you know number one the last conversation we have as you're becoming self-aware of, of, or build the self-awareness within who you are, how do you do that? How do you reflect on who you are, what you bring to the table, and where you can build improvements? And the second part is, if you have an idea, if you have passion in some of the work that you do, or you have an idea that you've really been wanting to push forward, let's take Basil's advice you know let's just do it just do something it doesn't have to be the big thing it doesn't have to be the grand thing but just take one step to move that work forward in a way that's meaningful to you and to bring that self-awareness in front of you 
to understand where you're going to excel and where you're going to need um, to have help and connect with others in that process. Before we go, real quick, I want to make sure you know about our upcoming event, What's Right in Education, our annual leadership conference. You'll hear about key strategies to shift culture, improve practice, and unleash results. Discover how to target the behaviors that erode culture and inspire collective mindset to build a continuous improvement process. Like our podcast, these two days will highlight specific tactics from the nine principles for organizational excellence, and it'll help you actively drive results to build highly effective organizations. So we hope that you'll think about joining us at What's Right in Education. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and make sure you're subscribed. I look forward to connecting with you next week as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. Have a great week.